an ancient African cryptid that still stalks the land today, and the dumbest cult you've ever heard of today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day. By the time you hear this, I will be on vacation. I'm actually already on vacation, but I'll be actually like physically on vacation. I'll be visiting my family. So that'll be fun. It shouldn't affect the release schedule, but I'll, I'll get into that as we record some more episodes. If I do have to take a week off, I'll let you guys know ahead of time. So I watch YouTube a lot. We've talked about that before. I don't really watch television. I usually watch movies that I have that I've never seen. I'm not a big re-watcher of movies, unless it's an amazing film. I watch a lot of YouTube, though. I recently started watching this channel called Mr. Gigi, and I found him the way that I think most people found him, was because he did this overview kind of compilation of To Catch a Predator videos, where he basically like gives commentary and he's talking trash about the predators and all that stuff, and talks about Chris Hansen. And I've watched those videos actually probably all the way through twice. It's just a nice kind of like a... When I watch YouTube, I kind of have it on in the background while I'm doing something else. Unless I'm watching something that needs 100% of my attention. If it's just someone talking like this podcast, I just kind of have it on in the background while I'm doing something else. Now, it's funny because Mr. Gigi, he's really good at what he does. He's this young man who just takes these To Catch a Predator videos and talks trash about them. And it's funny because I watch them. And then, of course, you know, recommended videos pop up. And there's this uh, YouTube channel called Pop Squad, P-O-P Squad. I recommend both of these, Mr. Gigi and Pop Squad, if you're into this, but that's probably the wrong term. But Pop Squad is an on-the-street vigilante group. I believe they're based in either the Northeast or maybe Canada, where where they do what uh, To Catch a Predator used to do. They confront uh, people trying to talk to young men and women online, and then they run into, they say, hey, let's meet at Target, and then they bring down a camera crew, and they corner the guy at Target, and they basically berate him and say, you know, we're going to release this information, we're going to put this video online, and all these people are going to see it, we're going to turn it over to the police and all that, and the guy's like, I was just here to have a Coke, I was just here to have a Coke. Now, there's a bit of a, what's the word, schneidenfrafen, schneidenfreden, you know what I mean, it's the German for taking delight in other people's misery, I think that's part of it, these people are not nice people, to put it bluntly. They're trying to manipulate young men and women for sex. But as I'm watching it, so, you know, To Catch a Predator was a show that was on in, like, the early 2000s. But Pop Squad, they're doing videos today. And the other day I was watching one and I thought, I thought that this was so 2006. Like, I remember watching Pop Squad back in the day and definitely To Catch a Predator. But the idea that people still meet young men and women online... I, I just I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I know pedophilia exists, and it's absolutely awful, and it's horrible, and it's a tragedy. Every time that it happens, these people need to be dealt with to the fullest extent of the law. But how are people still doing it? Like, And especially like chatting with someone online. First off, who uses chat rooms anymore? Are these people actually chatting? Or are they meeting on Facebook? I don't know. And I just don't like... How have they not gotten wise to this? And there's... Hundreds and hundreds of hours of video footage of people getting caught doing this. But you're going to be the one who sneaks through the system. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I think it goes to show how short... I mean, the people are sick, obviously, but they're also very short-sighted to think that they're going to get away with it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And they don't... 
event they they get caught one of two ways. They get exposed by a Chris Hansen or Pop Squad. That's the minority. Or they just get arrested and thrown in prison for 20 years. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. But if you have an afternoon to spare, Mr. Gigi and Pop Squad. The, the sad thing is, is um, I was reading... What was I reading about today? <clears throat> I'll read The Sun or The Daily... Daily Inquiry... What was it? The Sun is a British... Oh, the independent British newspapers. They have a lot of weird stories in them. It was Brits. And I saw recently, maybe not recently, but, you know, these headlines popped up. I read these articles of people being exposed in this way, killing themselves. And that's always sad. That's always sad. I think that that's not the answer. I mean, you know, do your time. You know, you you did break the law and you're doing something horrible and all that. But that's just sad that people have lost their lives over this. And I feel bad for the vigilantes, too, because they're doing what is... They're doing a good thing, a good service, and then something like this happens. And then they, that, that'll weigh on them. But at the end of the day, their main goal is, I believe, their main goal is to protect children. They'll sell a t-shirt from here and there. But again, the difference between them and some of the cults we cover is the cults are asking for obscene amounts of money or they're dangerous. Now, speaking of dangerous cults, this cult that we're going to talk about on the first story is probably one of the dumbest cults I've ever heard of. Now, the term cult may not be a fair signifier because it's not necessarily like a church you go to and you all have to wear the same sneakers and shave the left side of your head and pierce your right pinky. It's not like that. It's a more of a lifestyle, but it's so incredibly dangerous that... <sighs> so, I have, I've, I'm at a loss for words. So, what it is is it goes under a couple different names. One is breatharianism, or the second one is sun gazing. Now, they're both fairly related. So, But what we're going to focus here on is the sun gazing aspect. So what this cult believes is that your pineal gland in your brain, it has to be opened up for your chakra power to give you magnetic light or whatever like that. And through evolution and bad living practices... Our pineal gland has become calcified. People say fluoride does that too. But anyways, so your pineal, which basically cuts you off from the universe. So how do you fix your pineal gland? Either 45 minutes before the sun rises, or 45 minutes as the sun is rising, or 45 minutes as the sun is setting. You got to stare at the sun. You got to stare directly at the sun. But I know what you're thinking, Jason, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's because you didn't let me finish. Because you don't stare at the sun for 45 minutes. You stare at the sun for 10 seconds. And then the next day, you stare at the sun for 20 seconds. And then the day after that, you stare at the sun for 30 seconds. Until eventually you stare are able, you build up your eye muscles. This is the Rocky of eye muscles. They're running up the solar stairs and they're like doing a little dance. After doing this over and over and over. maybe it's 10 seconds every week but anyways you add it you add 10 seconds to it each time and so you will be able to eventually you will be able to stare directly at the sun for 45 minutes straight now it's very clear on all their websites do not stare at the sun for more than 45 minutes because that might cause eye damage but you can stare up to the sun up to 45 minutes and you can only look at the sun as it's rising and it's setting because that's when the UV rays are the least damaging. I'm not I'm not making that claim. That's their claim. But anyways, 
so you you go out, you look at the sun for ten seconds, and then you stop. And you can do it for another 10 seconds or, you know, you keep, it's a cumulative thing. So you keep adding 10 seconds to it. Eventually you get to 45 minutes. And then at that point, you can't look, at, you can't look at the sun anymore. Now you have to walk barefoot everywhere on dirt, not grass, dirt. And because after staring at the sun for 45 minutes, like once you build up your eye muscles that much, your pineal gland has been completely opened up and now you're not going to have any trouble at all except for macular degeneration but and then uh, to keep your your pineal gland recharged you just have to walk barefoot on dirt now this is one of those weird cults that is completely incompatible with modern life and i think that might be the allure of some cults but i mean if you're a businessman and you're like you know what i have everything i have a beautiful wife i have kids i have this great job the one thing i don't have is an uncalcified pineal gland Okay, and you do that whole thing, but now are you going to put sand everywhere in your building? Like, are you going to go golfing and just mow up all the grass? Like, it's just completely incompatible with human life. At least, you know, some of the religious cults out there, you can go about your normal day and just pray to some wacky god. This one, you kind of have to change your whole life. But anyways, so a couple of the things that are going on is that... By the time you can get up to the 45 minutes, the claims of the cults are, is that you don't even have to eat anymore. That's how crazy, that's how like crazy good the sun's power are. You don't have to eat anymore. You can literally absorb all the nutrients you need from the sun and from the dirt on the bottom of your feet. So that's where the breatharianism comes in. So the breatharianism, they use sun gazing. At, this is all based on like India, like basically like Americans or Europeans going to India, getting high and then coming back and making stuff up and usually change their name to some sort of Indian name. India, India, not Native American India. So anyways, you go to this point, your pineal gland is like completely open. You've, you can absorb sunlight instead of eating food and... You don't have to, I think you don't have to drink water, but they sometimes do just for, in social situations, they'll drink like milk, which was actually a good out because then if you're ever really hungry, you're like, Hey dude, dude, you're calling up all your friends. Hey, it's sun gazing Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. It's me. Hey, do you want to go to, uh, do you want to go to Hooters? You know, just for a social event. It's not, I'm not breaking my religious practice. I just, it's social event. But anyway, so of course, when you make such dangerous claims, people are going to start debunking them. And so a lot of scientists and researchers have said, oh, you know, that's your claim. That's great. Let's put it to a test. Now, in India, they said, oh, this guy went 441 days without eating and it was done under rigorous experiments. But whenever they've tried replicating the tests anywhere else under circumstances determined by the researcher, it always fails, like within a weekend or week tops this news report was trying to test one of the biggest leaders biggest proponents of this belief she barely i think she barely made it a week before a doctor was like you got to cut this she's about to die and the woman's like i'm fine i'm fine and she's like super dehydrated and then first she was saying oh the hotel room you put me in has black mold it's unpurified air this isn't going to work so the researchers took her to the middle of nowhere in a cabin with beautiful spring mountain air and shit still didn't work. She was still horribly dehydrated. What's funny is so, so it's, first off, it's incredibly dangerous. Please don't do it. <laughs> Secondly, it's never been tested outside of 
of them of their that group and again if if a christian goes oh when you die your soul goes to heaven and you go see your grandma and your grandpa and stuff like that that can't be tested and that's not physically damaging anyone so i mean people could go ha ha you're lying and other people go well no i believe that that's true and then that's kind of the end of it but if someone's making a claim you can stare at the sun for 45 minutes it's not going to hurt you and you'll never have to eat again that's a claim that will impact your life here it will physically hurt you here. So that's why people, I think, have been more adamant about disproving this stuff. People have starved to death doing this plan, obviously. I thought it was funny. I was looking over the pro-sungazing websites, and they were talking about their own research they had done about sungazing. I found this little nugget. The number of people who reported a decreased need for solid food was approximately equal to the number of people who reported no significant change in the need for food. And they're using that as like, oh, look it. See, it kind of works because we brought 50 people into this room. And half of them said, I'm good with not having any more food. And the other half goes, nah, it didn't help me at all. That's called a placebo effect. And what's the time limit? Because if you did it just after brunch, some people are going to be, oh, I'm so hungry. And then other people are going to be like, nah, I can wait till dinner. What's funny, though, is that it said only one person in the study reported an increased need for food. And I'm like, that, Homer Simpson. I can just imagine a bunch of, like, normal humans in there and then yellow-skinned Homer Simpson standing in the corner. Who looks at the sun and gets hungrier? Who stares at the sun and wants more food than they had before they stared at the sun? Not many people. So this cult is still very active. There's, I found multiple, I have found more articles talking about the benefits of this than I found debunking this. Because it's still fairly underground. I think it's more prevalent in India, obviously, and then is in Europe. It's not so prevalent here. People have made attempts to debunk it, but there's more say, no, no, this will help open up your sixth eye or your third eye and your sixth chakra and make you connected to the universe. And yeah, because you're going to be blind and the rest of your senses are being heightened. I don't know. I wonder how these people work during the eclipse, too. I wonder if they're like, dude, I got my 45 minutes in. I can totally stare at this eclipse. Nuts. And I, I mean, I just don't get how theories like this evolve and how they came up with the 45 minute window because did they have a bunch of monks go blind and then they're like hey how long did you look at the sun for oh, i looked at it for 46 minutes so whatever don't do this and if you know happen to know anyone who's sun gazing please buy them a pair of blue blockers do they still make those our next story is actually going to be the beginning of our cryptids week we're going to do a cryptid story each day this week we've got some good ones and this one is actually what inspired the Cryptid Week. When I found out about this one, I thought, okay, I bet you there's some other really cool monsters out there that no one's ever heard of. So in the deepest jungles of Africa, maybe not the jungles, but I, that's a stereotype, but in South Africa, in a jungle, there's a huge cave system. And in this cave system is apparently more riches than you could ever imagine. It's their equivalent of the Lost Dutchman mine, except they know where it's at. They know exactly where it's at. So people have tried going into this cave and it like smells of sulfur, which probably means there's some sort of gas down there. And it's like apparently bottomless and it goes all the way out to the ocean, like 60 miles away or something like that. What keeps people away from really getting into those riches is the creature known as the Groot Slang. Now, I found this out while I was researching this. Apparently Groot Slang is also a Final Fantasy boss. 
So that's that's that being said, the Groot Sling is also an ancient South African legend of a creature with the head of an elephant and the body of a snake. If you could pick two more ruthless animals to put together, it would be like a hippo and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So the Groot Sling, its origin story, the creation myth, is was when the gods were first creating the world, they created the Groot Sling, and it was the most cunning, evil, intelligent creature on the planet. And the gods realized, whoa, we probably messed up on this one, because it's completely just overrunning the planet. So it gathered up, the gods gathered up all the Groot Slings and chopped them in half and made one half the elephant and one half the snake. But in that purge, one Groot Sling hid, hid from the gods and didn't get cut in half. And that's where all the other Groot Slings have come from. So this isn't a singular immortal creature. It can breed, I'm assuming, asexually. I don't really know how, but it has sex with itself. It's a hermaphrodite, maybe. So the Groot Sling that you may see today isn't necessarily the one that was created a million years ago. And people still say they see it today. It's a creature that people in this area have said, oh, no, 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 don't go in that cave. There's the Groot Sling in there, which, you know, for one thing could be a cover story, but the story's lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's their version of Bigfoot. But Bigfoot to us is a big hairy monkey that will either beat your brains in or walk blurrily out of frame. The Groot Sling is an evil god creature. Like this, the power scale between the two, they're considered the same as far as People have sightings of them, and they find broken stuff, and all of that. And detractors go, oh, Bigfoot's just a bear. And detractors in South Africa goes, oh, no, that was just a regular elephant with a 60-foot-long, slender, slimy body. So they, But they're both on the same level of people believe in them. This isn't a myth. They actually believe the Groot Sling exists today. But the power level between the two is off the charts. I would, I would rather fight five Bigfoot than one Groot Sling. I'd rather fight 10 Bigfoots than one Groot Sling. And here's why. The way that the Groot Sling is described is it's super intelligent. And, you know, the thing is, too, is that a lot of the comparisons with the reptile body, the intelligence, it also not necessarily lives in that cave because there was riches in there. It got gold and brought it there. So it's more on on the line of a European dragon. Uh, a Bigfoot is just a, a, a smart monkey, like a Stone Age level intelligence monkey. The Groot Slang is acquiring wealth and hiding it and then trampling anyone who comes near it. So I'd much rather fight a bunch of Bigfoot people. Even though I'd be outnumbered, like physically, I feel like I could out, I could home alone them. I could out tactic them. I could have like pots of boiling water above their head and I could have a roller skate that has like a tack in it. So when they step on it, they're like, I guess you don't need both. I guess the tack or the roller skate trip goes either way. But the Groot Slang, how are you going to defend yourself against it? It's an elephant-sized snake that's hyper-intelligent. I do have to say, I always find it weird when we find cultural contamination in myths when there was no cultural contamination. So you have the story of the reptilian dragons in Europe who hoard gold, and they're just like these massive beasts that live in mountains and cave systems and things like that. And then we travel, what is it, a thousand miles south before the British ever got into South Africa. And you have the story of the Groot Sling, this giant reptilian-like creature that hoards wealth and lives in a massive cave system. I always think that's fascinating. 
because technically there shouldn't be any cross-contamination. You could argue that when the British came down, the Groot slaying myth evolved a bit, but I couldn't find any sourcing on that. But yes, was there at some point the, a giant reptiles that were uh, hoarding gold? <laughs> I mean, probably not. But I just find it interesting. I find it interesting that dragon mythology is pretty much all over the planet. And I said before in a previous episode, reptilians being part of creation myths are all over the planet. You have it in the Middle East creation uh, stories. You have it in the Native American creation stories. You have it now in the South African creation stories where the reptile is this horrible evil being that the gods have to intervene. What's the difference between the Groot slaying and the serpent in the Garden of Eden? I don't know. where. Why does it all come from one sort of cultural pot? I don't know. I do know that I would never want to meet a Groot Sling. I would want to see one through binoculars. I think that would be awesome. I think that would be great. But I wouldn't want to be walked through the jungle. Oh, and I wanted to say this too. You know, looking into the story, I started to think, okay, so imagine you're walking through the forest, just a regular forest, and you see... A little girl in a white dress with like black hair, like Samara, standing with her head against, leaning against the tree. You're in the middle of nowhere, and she's like, la, 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 la. You're, you're, you're going to be upset, to say the least. You're going to not have a good time. But I know that I'm in a forest in Michigan or wherever. And I can turn around and walk out, and a couple squirrels are going to scatter in each direction, and then I finally get in my car and drive away. And then she's in the back seat. Now, let's flip that. Let's say that you're in a jungle in Africa, and it's there's like jaguars walking around, you got big old boas, you got all sorts of parasites and fire ants and all sorts of horrible things that are naturally there that exist. You turn a corner, and next to a giant vine is a little girl wearing a white dress with black hair going, la, 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 la. I think the idea of I think a ghost in the in like the outdoors is totally terrifying to me. I think more so than a ghost in a house because I don't like the outdoors anyways. But the, a ghost in the outdoors of an environment I'm familiar with is less terrifying than a ghost girl deep in some sort sort of hot humid jungle. But technically, they should exist in both biomes. That's scary. I'd much rather meet Samara in Yellowstone than Samara. Well, I could Samara on the Serengeti would probably be pretty easy because you'd see her like 50 miles away. Still be creepy though. And as you went to run, you'd go, you'd get in your car, you turn it on, and there'd be a lion and the ghost girl in your back seat. I'm not doing it. Sorry, South Africa. I'm not visiting you. I actually have no listeners in Africa. Maybe this episode will turn that around. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is our email address. You can also hit us up on Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. So this is the beginning of our cryptid week. We're going to just keep zooming along. I, I wanted to focus on cryptids that we don't know about. Not like science or anything lame like that. But I hadn't known about it until I did this research. And I hope you hadn't heard about them. It's going to be a nice little discovery week. We're going to learn about a lot of new crazy creatures. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.